it, it clarified for me the path that I should be walking on. Uh, it communicates value for effort and energy that quite often can go unnoticed. It celebrates. It celebrates the, the Lord's work through the life of a person. Encouragement, finally, it directs the person into deeper faithfulness. So we can all probably think of times in our lives, people in our lives, because they chose to speak a word of encouragement and actually led us to pursue the Lord more faithfully and more deeply. Now I think the other piece of encouragement that is so powerful is that it can often be neglected. So, uh, so you, you understand the reality when you walk into a, a clean house, uh, you don't really notice that the house is clean, right? Uh, because it's as it should be, as it quote should be, right? But, but if the house is messy, then you might notice that a little bit, right? Um, so, so we only notice things when they're not working as they should be working. And so when we choose to, it's important, by the way, to speak up when things aren't working as they should be working, right? And it's, all, it's almost a, a responsibility that we should be owning, right? But on the other end of that is that, that when somebody actually encourages us, when somebody tells us what they're noticing that we're doing right, what they're noticing that goes well, it can really empower us to deeper levels of faithfulness. Now, talking about encouragement is important because Paul and Timothy, as Paul starts the letter, he says, Paul and, and my brother Timothy, they have written this letter to the church in Colossae. And, and they didn't have to write this letter. It's, it's really interesting as you look into the, the context, actually. The reason the, the letter was written, there's no actually clear, discernible demand for this letter to be written. Uh, Paul and Timothy, they didn't know the specific people in this church. Uh, in fact, they never ever stayed with the people in this church. This is, this is very different for Paul because Paul, the, all the other churches that he writes to, they're all churches that he either planted or he spent a lot of time with. But he writes to the, the, the church in Colossae, he's never met them before. Uh, the Colossians, now they no doubt know who Paul and Timothy are, uh, but, but uh, they don't, Paul and Timothy don't really know these people. Now, the other reality is that there's a host of other things that Paul and Timothy could choose to invest their time and energy into. Uh, God is doing a, a massive work in this, this region of the world, and, and there's something else that they could choose to be focused on, but there's something about this church that they choose to pay attention to, that they choose to focus on. And so they wrote this letter to this church. And so in Colossians 1, verses 1 to 2, it says this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and what? Faithful. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So in their introduction they identify something that is right and good about this body of believers. They bring clarity to how God is working among them. They communicate value for something that God is doing. They celebrate something. What they do in these first words to their letters is that they offer an encouragement to these Christians and they call them faithful. Faithful. 
Now, before we get into the specifics of what that looks like, uh, I want to talk about why it's significant that Paul and Timothy chose this characteristic. Why did they chose this characteristic to encourage the Colossians in this? And so, uh, so I want to provide a, a definition of faithfulness, just a broad definition of faithfulness, and then I want to examine how it plays out in Scripture so that we can better understand what Paul means when he actually encourages the Colossians in their faithfulness. So faithfulness is this. It's a loyal dedication to a particular way of operating despite circumstances. A loyal dedication to a particular way of operating despite circumstances. So Joshua. Joshua is, uh, they've, they've finished their, their conquest of the land that God has promised them, and Joshua has led them through this, and he stands before the people, and he says, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. Yeah, exactly. It's a statement of dedication, a way of operating that is service to the Lord alone. The circumstances, actually, that they're in is that there are nations all around them. There are people all around them that are worshiping false gods. And so in spite of those circumstances, Joshua says, Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will remain faithful to the Lord. Abraham, uh, he's often regarded, especially in the New Testament as we look, Abraham's regarded as one who is faithful for simply doing what the Lord told him to do. So his way of operating is obedience whenever God spoke and, and the circumstances. Abraham, leave your family, your whole household, and go into the land that I'm promising you. Leave your religion, re- leave every way of life that you know, and come follow me. So despite circumstances, Abraham heard the voice of God and he obeyed. He was faithful. Let's talk about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego. They are in a land where uh, everybody is, is worshiping these false gods, false idols. They're in Babylon. They're in exile. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he sets up this statue of himself, and he tells everybody, you should worship this statue. They're, uh, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, um, they, they wouldn't do it. Uh, and there was a threat on them. There was a threat. You'll be thrown into the furnace. Anybody who doesn't worship the statue will be thrown into the furnace. And so they, they, they remain faithful. They don't bow down to the statue, but they continue worshiping God alone. So their way of operating is worship of the one true God alone. And this is what they said, their circumstances, being threatened with the furnace. They said, God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to the statue. We will remain faithful to him. So is it any accident then that the words that we long, that we long to hear from Jesus on that day when we see him face to face are well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. This is a supreme characteristic in scripture, and Paul, he uses it to encourage them. So this should cause us to ask a question. What does it take for a church to be called faithful? What does it take for a church to be called faithful? Well, we're going to dig into that as we go through 
uh, Paul's words here. So, verse 3 says, We always thank God. Inside of Paul, there's this thankfulness. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So, so Paul here pinpoints the first thing, the first thing that he sees is faithfulness amongst this church. He, he sees that their faith and love actually had a reputation. Their faith and love had a reputation. There was something remarkable in their faith about their response to the gospel uh, that apparently caused word to spread throughout the region. There, there was something about their love, and their, their love is for all the saints. It's not just for their love there in, in that particular church, but it's the love for all of the saints. Something about this early Christian movement that there's such a love in Colossae. So it could, I don't know what it looked like. It could have been, maybe they were praying for this early Christian movement, praying constantly. Maybe, uh, maybe they were showing hospitality to Christians who would pass through their city. Maybe they would offer financial support of other churches. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but there was something in Colossae that gave them a reputation for love of all the Christians. He goes on in verse 5. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So they have this faith and love that comes out of a hope that's laid up for them in heaven. Paul recognizes that this reputation that they have that it came about because they actually had a focus on heaven. You see, we live, uh, the culture that we live in, uh, we live in affluence. Uh, We live in a place where we have a a lot of things typically met for us. Uh, It's really tempting, actually, in the culture that we live in, for us to place hope in things like career, things like family, things like success, achievement, money. This is, these are the places that we're, we're so tempted to place our hope. But Paul looks at this church, and this is what he says. He says, you're faithful because you know that your real hope is in heaven with your Savior. You know where your hope lies. He goes on. In the second half of verse 5, he says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed, as in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The next piece of faithfulness that Paul draws out amongst this body of believers is that they made the work of God in the gospel central to everything that they did. So, so they, initially, they initially hear the gospel and they respond to it in faith, right? That's the, that's the first step. But then after that, they actually make space for God to continue working, the work of the gospel to continue going forward among them. They, they don't let other things get in the way of the work of the gospel. Verse 7, he goes on. Just as you learned it, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. The last piece that he draws out in their faithfulness is that they followed the lead of a faithful servant. 
You see, Paul, um, he, he recognizes Epaphras and, and everything that Epaphras does, and, and he acknowledges that the Colossian church has actually responded to his work there. That he acknowledges that they've been faithful to follow the leader that God has provided for them. And when it says faithful minister, well, minister is simply another word for servant. The faithful servant who is among you. So they responded to this, this word that Epaphras bring, brings, and not only that, but to his leadership, that Epaphras is actually coming back to Paul now and saying, man, their love is incredible. Their faith is incredible. So Paul looks at all of these characteristics, and he says this, this is a faithful church. He wants them to be encouraged. This is a faithful church. So as we consider this church that Paul wrote to. I have a question. Has ABC been a faithful church? That's not a rhetorical question, by the way. I think the answer is really clear. In fact, there's no question in my mind as to the answer of this question. It is a resounding yes. If if those are the categories for what it looks like to be faithful, then yes, resoundingly yes, this is a faithful church. So I have a little bit of, we, we're going to do some audience participation. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it'll be fun. Well, um, so my question is, how has Alliance Bible Church been faithful? And so that, this, this doesn't, this can feel a little like self-congratulatory, so I'm going to encourage you to, to do something. Imagine yourself standing outside of the church, looking in over its history. As you uh, observe the church, as you examine the church, how would you commend Alliance Bible Church? So that's, that's open floor. I want to hear what you have to say. Scott. People give to the benevolent That's incredible. Yeah. Care for the poor among us and in our community. That's so good. Yep. That's so good. Yeah. Yes. We practice the one another's of Scripture, right? Bear one another's burdens. That's so good. Yeah, Gina. (laughs) 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 Mm, That's good. welcoming. Yes, that's exactly right. We're a, we're a hospitable church. I hear every time I hear about people who come through the doors of this church, it's always, we were loved and welcomed so, so well there. I want to thank the Lord for people who were here, like Mary Simon, who actually helped with the concrete foundation of the church, and she passed away, and mm. she was faithful the foundation of the oh, church. that's so good. That's yes. good. 
Any others? Amen. Yes. So, so good. So I have, I have a few encouragements myself. Um, you have followed the lead of some incredibly faithful servants. Incredibly faithful servants. Over the years, as I, in fact, all like the stories, as I listen to people, the stories of the faithfulness of your leaders who have, who have come through this church are incredible. And I know that every single leader, including Pastor Don, including the elders, are highly regarded here for their faithfulness. And so, uh, so I can look at that, and I can look at, at, at Mike Mercurio and Pastor Tim and, and Pastor Don, the elders, even in this last season, the way that they stepped up and led this church, I can look at all of that and say, you had faithful servants and you have followed them extremely well. And see, thank you so much. You have kept the work of God in the gospel central. Jesus is central here, and there is no question about that. This church actually has a solid history of effective evangelism in the community. That's, I, I keep hearing stories about how uh, people would go and visit other people that, uh, and that, that there's, uh, you build relationships and friendships and this church helps love people to Jesus extremely well. Many of you have stepped up in significant ways to fill ministry gaps that are all over the place, but you were stepping up, you were filling in a role, you were being faithful to see the places that, that, that you needed to work. Part of God even calling me to this place was him revealing to me that this is an incredibly faithful church. That this church constantly responds to God in faithfulness. Now, at least you think I'm paying you lip service. Uh, there, uh, in the encouragement is a warning. In the encouragement is a warning because it can feel like that should be enough. That should be good enough. Look at everything that we've done. Look at, and I can hear the Colossian church saying this too. Look at everything that we've been able to accomplish. This should be good enough. But Paul, he's not, he, Paul is never content. Uh, Paul, Paul has about him a holy discontentedness and, and he knows something. He knows that while it's great to celebrate past faithfulness, he knows that their past faithfulness does not guarantee their future faithfulness. Their past faithfulness does not guarantee their future faithfulness. So their past dedication to the gospel does not actually guarantee that they will continue to remain dedicated to the gospel in the future. Their past doctrinal soundness does not guarantee that they will continue to to preach sound doctrine into the future. Their past dedication to mission does not guarantee that they, they will engage missional action going forward. So, after he offers this encouragement, he tells them his prayer for them. Continued faithfulness lies in front of us. Verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He prays for further 
faithfulness. Now, if I were the one praying, which I'm not, but uh, if I were the one praying, like, let's think of the things that I might pray for. If I'm, if I'm asking the Lord to move for a church, I might ask that, uh, that that church would engage their community. I might ask that that church would continue working really, really hard. I might ask that that church would proclaim the gospel boldly to their friends and neighbors. That, that that church would get more resources to expand ministry impact. That that church would be protected from the influence of the surrounding culture. I might have a whole host of prayers uh, that I would pray, and none of them are what Paul asks for here. Paul's prayer is this. That they would know God. He prays not for these these further things of faithfulness because he knows, he knows that if they know God, all of those things will flow out of that. Their key to continued faithfulness is knowing God more deeply. And the key to our continued faithfulness is knowing God more deeply. So, how do we get to know God more deeply? And this is, uh, I'm sure we're all aware of this, but this goes beyond the, the intellectual realm of just knowing about God, right? We have a relationship with him, right? But uh, the intellectual realm is definitely a piece of it, but, but this moves into the realm of relationship. And so I'm just gonna like throw some strategies up here. Um, and my guess is, is that we are all wired to know God, in a particular way. Some of us are probably more wired towards the intellectual. Some might be more wired to the relational. Some actually might be more wired to the doing, uh, the doing for God. And so, um, so whatever it might be that you're wired, I'd encourage you to step out of your wiring. Uh, figure out what does it look like to step out of my wiring and knowing God. Uh, because, uh, because all of these pieces, the knowing, the, the intellectual piece, the relational piece, the doing piece, they're all combined and they all work together to help us truly understand who God is. And so here's some strategies. Uh, first thing you could do, you actually like listen to worship music. I've been, I didn't do this a lot for a long time. And, um, and now like all, every time I'm driving and I have just a little bit of time in the car, I'm, I'm intentionally putting worship music on that I know puts like puts my mind in such a reflective state to, to just give praise to God. Um, this is, this is a really helpful tool for us to get our hearts and our minds in the right place. Uh, maybe you could study how God's character is displayed in his word. So as you dig into the word, you're looking specifically, not just to get the information that's there, but you're looking specifically at what can I get? What can I learn about God's character here? Maybe uh, you reflect daily upon what God has accomplished for you in the gospel. That if Christ had not given himself, then we would be hopeless that, that, that we would be doomed to face the wrath for our own sin. But, but Jesus died and he took on himself our sin and gave to us his righteousness. So maybe it's, it's, a, it's a matter of reflecting on what God has accomplished for you through Christ. Uh, maybe it is, for, for uh, maybe some of us more intellectual folk, uh, getting to know and love his people more spending more time with his people, understanding who they are because, because he has wired them and, and worked them in such a way to reveal himself through people. Maybe uh, 
Oh, I get, to, I get to do a little tagline here. Okay, so pray with and for his people. Let me tell you all something. Uh, every Sunday morning from, what, what, what did he start, 845? Is that, yeah, ish, okay, cool. 845, we are in here and we are praying together as a church. And so one of the ways that you can actually get to know God better is by the time that you spend with his people in prayer. Uh, maybe it's repenting of sin regularly. In fact, I would encourage you that is definitely repenting of sin regularly because the more that you go to God and you are transparent with him and you see how you recognize how you have failed, his faithfulness becomes so much more clear to you. So how is knowing God effective for faithfulness? Well, I think there are two ways that is really clearly effective. It's through our faithfulness that we actually get to know God better. So every time we obey, every time we take a step of trust uh, and, and, and we, we give something to God, we, we make ourselves vulnerable in that moment of trust, God shows himself faithful to us. The second way is that, that the better we know God, the more we understand what future faithfulness looks like. The better we know God, the, mo- the better we understand what future faithfulness looks like looks like. Verse 11, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So being strengthened, that that somehow knowing God can actually give us strength, can give us for all endurance, it can give us endurance to, to take on whatever the Lord is going to bring in front of our path, that it can give us patience, not just patience, but patience with joy. That we can actually be excited about whatever trial comes our way because we get to do it with the Lord by our side. And it can make us incredibly thankful. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. At the end of the day, God can work faithfulness, can really work faithfulness through those who get to know him really, really well. Okay, so what? Uh, I ask this question at the end of every sermon that I preach because I've talked for a long time, uh, and I want to just acknowledge that, and sometimes it can be hard to go, okay, so why did you say all of those words? So at the end of each sermon, I ask the question, so what, so that we, so we understand what we are to walk away with. So this church, this church has been incredibly faithful. But in the encouragement is a warning. Our past faithfulness does not guarantee our future faithfulness. I'd like to share with you something uh, about something I call hinge points. Hinge points are critical, sort of make it or break it. You cannot go back from these moments. So uh, two hinge points. Let's talk about the life of Abraham. Two hinge points in the life of Abraham that drastically affected his life. First, God said go, and Abraham went. And that drastically affected the, tra- the trajectory of his life. It, it actually led to incredible blessing for him. I want to talk about another hinge point on the flip side. God said, leave all your family And Abraham did not leave all his family. He brought Lot with him. 
And because he brought Lot with him, that was a hinge point in his life, he had to face a whole host of painful circumstances in his life because there was one little piece in which he didn't obey God. It was a hinge point for him. ABC has actually had some hinge point decisions in recent years. And at each one, the question is asked, will we choose mission? Will we choose what God is calling us to? Will we choose faithfulness or will we choose comfort? So uh, four years ago, um, the question was asked to Alliance Bible Church, will we love our community? So I've heard several times about how we drew this two-mile circle around the church uh, and how we asked, we just asked the Lord, what does it look like for us to be faithful in mission here in this community? And what came out of that? Came out of Q Place, which we're still doing today and we're still talking about, we're still excited about, and Crossroads which we have made a really good investment in, right? That's like something that we're really excited about. I see, I see the way Phil and Doreen have stepped up and owned that ministry. I see the way that uh, it is actually, it has the power to impact the culture of those schools. And so that is a hinge point decision right there four years ago. A hinge point decision. Nine months ago, this church had to make a decision about whether or not you would step up to own the ministries of the church in the midst of a really hard transition. And again, you showed yourselves, you showed, the Lord showed his faithfulness through you and the ways that you stepped up, the ways that you continued the ministry. Y'all, I don't, I don't know if you understand. Uh, churches don't just like handle things when a pastor leaves. Um, elders don't just all preach when a pastor leaves. Like, that's, that is remarkable to me. I, um, usually, you have to pay somebody else to come in. Um, and this church handled everything in that season. That is encouraging to me. That is a hinge point decision in the life of this church. These are significant decision points, and they've made a massive difference and will continue to make a massive difference in the life of of this church, and this community. So if I know the Lord, and I know the mission that he's calling to, I would wager that he's not done giving us hinge points. That he is going to continue to place decisions in front of us where we will either have to choose mission or comfort. And my prayer for us right now is that we would dive deeply so deeply right now in this season into knowing God more so that we would know what it looks like to respond faithfully when he puts those hinge points in front of us. Would you pray for me, please? Pray with me. Father, I am so, so grateful for your work of faithfulness here in this church. The way that you have provided faithful people the way you have uh, led people to make decisions of faithfulness here. But Lord, we recognize that, that in that encouragement is a warning. Lord, that there are yet future decisions of faithfulness, future decisions of mission to be engaged. And so, Lord, we submit to you and we ask that you would just help us to know who you are more. We cannot know you unless you yourself reveal yourself to us.
And so, Lord, our request here is that you would lead us into a deeper, loving relationship with you, into deeper understanding of who you are, into deeper wisdom of how you work. Lord, it's only you that can do this work, and so we pray all of this. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.